Welcome, everybody, to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I am once again joined by the world traveler, Howard Tybal. I am in the most beautiful part of the country. You know, I, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona now, Pete, and I can tell you what, what blows my mind is this is it's so green here, and it hasn't rained in a very long time. It's supposed it's going to rain this weekend, but man... That's scary, right? Everything we're hearing about California. Where's the water Where's the coming water? from? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's gorgeous. Phoenix, first time here. Uh, AGB annual meeting. Uh, fantastic experience. So that's exactly what we've been talking a lot about. Uh, governance and leadership and trusteeship. And that's exactly what this conference was about. The AGB 2015 National Conference on Trusteeship. And uh, it sounds like you had a pretty good time. You want to share some of the, the big themes? What are your big takeaways before we dig into your uh, your specific talks? Well, what's wonderful about this is that you know, getting a getting a window into the uh, thinking and focus, not of just AGB, but of, of trustees who are, are attempting to navigate some of the big questions right now. And there's some trigger points. You know, AGB did a brilliant thing in that they took this hot topic of Sweetbriar. You know, typically these these programs are designed well in advance, and and they added this pretty much last minute, and this was one of the closing sessions, and we had a a, a really great experience. We had the Scott Carlson moderating from from the Chronicle of Higher Education moderating the conversation. We had uh, Rick Stasloff from his organization talking about it from the financial perspe- finance perspective, and we had the uh, president emeritus from University of Virginia, uh, John Castine talking about it from the point of view of the president and what board should be doing. And it was a not just a robust presentation, but a robust dialogue. You know, the whole the whole discussion was really about the implications of Sweetbriar. And it it's producing, I think, a greater capacity for trustees to figure out how to enter the conversation and to recognize there's a difference between sustainability and mission. And if you can't sustain your mission, what does that mean to this conversation about sustainability? Rick talked about at one point, you know, this idea of survival. You know, survival is not a mission. I love that concept, right? Right. There's a lot of discussion right now about survival. I'm talking a lot with institutions about thriving, uh, but what they don't have is a way of, in the boardroom, a sort of a consistent way of being able to measure, are we doing well? Sweetbriar was on nobody's radar. And then it just... We're, we're talking, of course, about how Sweetbriar, the, the board, has decided to close their doors. At That's the right. This and, year. and what John Castine said is, Everything he can tell is the trigger points became known uh, just a few months ago in terms of the board being in a position to make choices as opposed to measuring things over time, knowing what to measure, look thinking longer than year-over-year budgeting, and being in a position to, to, to stress test it and, and have some measures really do the kind of what-if analysis on the system. And I think this opens up such an opportunity for schools to begin to ask the questions at the board level, uh, what should we be doing? The other fascinating thing about listening to trustees, both from public and private institutions, is the recognition that when you're invited to be a trustee, 
uh, and often you're an alum or in a private institution and in a public institution, it's a, you know, you're, you're nominated by the governor or somebody. And as a result of that, many trustees, if they've never done this work before, come in really green in what to be thinking about. And then you put a board together of, in some cases, 30, 40, and sometimes 50 people, especially in the privates, you can sort of see why the the kind of um, need for raising a, a way of thinking about what are the important issues. Uh, this is something that more and more boards uh, need to start paying attention to. And I think the conference really raised this. You know, the, the fascinating thing about those who are here is this is a membership organization, AGB. And in many ways, when I did my two sessions, I knew I was speaking to the choir, right? These are people who are already committed to learning and growing. There's a whole wealth of people who are not here that these people have to go back and influence. So uh, it was a wonderful experience of of seeing how much board members know and how much they don't. You know, I, how much of a sense do you get that there is a, a mission of alignment uh, or a mission of sort of educating board members how to find better alignment when they go back and, and have to, to pitch this stuff to their colleagues mm -hmm. who aren't here and find alignment with, with institutional leadership that is obviously not here, uh, you know, the non-trustee leadership? Well, what's what's that's a really nice transition to one of my sessions, was, which was institutionalizing change. So I did a uh, session for – I had probably nine presidents and 25 or so trustees from publics and private institutions, big, small, and so on. And one of the conversations we talked about was this idea of the power relationships between the academics, the administrators, the trustees, and then even the students, and painting a picture for them that we need to get beyond the power relationships where it's about faculty cooperation, administrators doling out resources, trustees having basically just influence over the president, which I'm not saying they should have anything but that. In many ways, the trustee's job is to guide the president. The president is like this, this layer between the faculty and the trustees. And the nature of how we govern seems to more and more reveal itself to me as at best cooperation, but very rarely collaboration. Right? Mm -hmm. They don't think of themselves, faculty leadership, presidents, uh, the cabinet, the trustees, and student leadership, they don't think about themselves as a team. They think about themselves as representing their distinct groups. And as a result, they have different agendas. So getting them on the same page is a, is a critical thing. The, the interesting thing back to Sweetbriar is one person got up and asked the question, where was the faculty in this? When was the faculty informed? And uh, John had suggested his best understanding was at the beginning of the year, they were informed that Sweetbriar had some difficulties or that this was a potential outcome. Now, he said at the same time, he wasn't sure that that really was, you know, what that actually meant for them and how it became a dialogue. But this was an action taken by a board that really said from a fiduciary standpoint, we are 
we are going to make this choice for the institution. And it actually is showing up in the courts right now, as he talked about, uh, whether there's a need to step back and 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 how this is going to move forward. Uh, so it's, it's a very interesting case for other institutions to use as a model, but it opened up a robust dialogue. That's just fascinating. I There were two things you said there that I, I am stuck on. The first one is that representatives from each of these departments, right, leader, from departmental leadership, right, faculty, students, they don't see themselves on the same team. And I think that may actually be putting it lightly. In, in many cases, they see themselves as adversaries. Uh, they do see themselves as adversaries, as I've talked about uh sort of destined to represent their their unique groups. Right, right. right? And what's interesting is collegial governance is one of the reasons why decisions don't get made, right? So there needs to be a mechanism of, of involving faculty that really both respects their involvement and demonstrates this is a decision-making process. This is not just a debating process. And it's a great conversation for chairs of boards and presidents to go back and say, how do we open this? I don't have the answers, but these are the kinds of things we should be asking ourselves. So talk a little bit about the uh, the second session you did. This the first one was the institutionalizing change. Uh, how did that uh, pivot into your second session? So the second session was very interesting. I, I had the great fortune of uh, being asked the night before by Ellen Chaffee, who is both a consultant and a trustee, a former president, uh, and she works with AGB. Uh, she unfortunately had a, a colleague that had a family emergency, and I get a text from Ellen saying, can you step in? <laughs> Do a and second session. Bring your to top the next hat. Session. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So we had dinner that night, and what was really fascinating is, I mean, the, the really nice thing about this is her topic, adding value to institutional strategy and planning, that topic was something that we had been talking about. I was learning about her session in advance, just serendipity, and so she was learning about mine. So she said, you know, would you be willing to come in here and partner with me on it? It was, fa it was fascinating because, and as a matter of fact, I think this session, I had a number of people that were in my previous session, so... The, the topic here that, that Ellen really brought to the table, and, and I got to sort of weave in the shared governance pieces around it and the change management perspective, uh, she really weaved the story about strategic planning being an oxymoron and that strategy and planning uh, often end up going nowhere. And she presented a, a, a way of thinking about the new kind of strategic planning then you know the the previous you know plan used to be or the way we still do it but she suggested we need to move move away from is thinking about a plan in terms of a five-year horizon versus a plan that's focused on ongoing communication right periodic updates versus continuously recreating what we're trying to do here uh responsibility and deadlines versus universal responsibility and the, the exercise we did was fascinating because she made a distinction and we got people talking about the difference between purpose and mission. You know, the mission of your institution versus what's your purpose? And we had the trustees write a purpose statement. Uh, 
And can you talk was, about that? What are they? What define what a purpose statement is in this context? What did that look like? Uh, we we define or she defined this idea of purpose as the impact of your mission. You know how you and I have been talking about the why, the why of your mission. Right. 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 The mission statements say what we're going to do and who we are. Mm -hmm. Her point was you need to talk at a higher level. You know, the example she presented was Oregon State Universities promote economic, social, cultural, and environmental progress for the people of Oregon, the nation of the world, and so-and-so. The by producing graduates who become the mission elements, but that overarching, what's your purpose, has to do with the big why. And she was educating and we were coaching people and how to think about that. Uh, so it was a really nice segue to the work that uh, I've been doing and, and my previous session. And, and you did all right, just jumping right in and, and doing this. I said to Ellen afterwards, we should we should go on. I said to Ellen, Ellen and I, we should go on Dancing with the AGB Stars. <laughs> Seriously, it was. I was like, Ellen, I think we we uh, we effectively uh, danced this one, and not like danced like, oh my god, we got through it. It was more like we both had a way of working together. You know, I was mentioning to somebody here that having a partner can be useful, and she had reflected to me. That's if the partner you're working with is good to work, right? And Ellen was fantastic to work with. So I, you know, I I, I really appreciate the opportunity, uh, and it was fun. So talk just as we get to toward wrapping up here. Talk a little bit about the overall sort of um, uh, theme that AGB is looking to carry forward mm -hmm. this coming year. I mean, what is it? What is it that you walked away saying? I I. I feel like I know what what AGB's why is. What is their purpose going forward in this next year? Yeah, you know, this is the kind of question we would turn right to Rick Lagan or Susan Johnston, the, uh, the executive vice president, and ask her these questions. I, I think this is an evolving question. You know, I, I think what it is, it's it's fundamentally raising trustees' uh, awareness level of the importance of their role to guide uh, leadership in direction as opposed to just thinking, but finding that right balance where you're not a, as, as we call it, an activist board member, you're an engaged board member, right? right. And, and there's a big difference. You know, an activist board member can end up getting involved in how things get done. And that's really the responsibility of the president and or the uh, or the uh, chancellor, and the and the team. Uh, I would say the biggest challenge for those who are here is how do you take this message back to the people that you need to figure out how to collaborate with. And like any great sessions, people walk away with one or two nuggets, and 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 I think that. They serve the membership. The opening keynote was Jim Collins. Oh, sure. Jim Collins was, Good, and great. I've heard him before. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he was, and I've heard him talk about the social sector and the hedgehog concept in the social sector. But he did it in a way that 
really, I think, raised people's sense of it was the same conversation, you know, knowing what your purpose is and living every day from that place. Uh, it was very inspiring. So it, 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 was a, it was a really great conference. And, and again, what I love about being here was not only did I feel like I had a lot to give, I learned a ton. And you know, what what else, what more can you ask for, Pete? Nothing. You can ask for nothing more. Nothing. You got, you got all of it. I got it all. I wanna I wanna pitch uh, people going back to listen to episode ninety one, uh, which was our latest conversation with Rick Lagan. If you want to hear, if you want to hear what Rick thinks those big lessons should be as we walk away toward building great boards, that's the episode to go here. And uh, uh, I I'd like to think that your experience at AGB mirrors uh, his expectations. So I, I call it a job. I am. Done. I am just speaking the Rick Lagon words. <laughs> Sing it, brother. Sing it. Uh, well, let's let's wrap it up here. Do you have any any other words of wisdom to the for the people before we uh, say goodnight? Uh, no, just just you know, anybody listening to this, I, I think that the the thing I take away from going to conferences like this is continue to look for opportunities to invest in learning. Uh, we're all so over busy. But I can tell you, it, you know, this is like taking a breath. And although it's a it's a marathon, being at some place like this, and it, it's uh, early mornings and late nights, you walk away with something that you don't get in your day jobs. So find opportunities to go to conferences or speak at conferences because I think we you can accelerate, you can leapfrog your learning about issues by just showing up. That, that's that's what I'd say to people. I love it. It's a good way to end as any. Thank you very much, Howard. Uh, people Thank who you, are Pete. listening, head over to uh, tybalink.com and you can learn more about this podcast. You can subscribe to the mailing list to make sure you don't miss a single episode. You'll just get one little email every week when a, uh, when a podcast goes live. Make sure you can listen to it right there. Subscribe for free in iTunes and uh, uh, engage with us. We'd love to hear your thoughts on LinkedIn or Twitter at Howard Tybel. You can find uh, all the relevant links there at tybalink.com. So thanks, everybody, for listening. On behalf of Howard Tybel, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybalink. Link.